Hey, good morning. Hey, you're here, right? I don't know, like that should be celebrated. You're here, whether you're watching online or in the room. We are so grateful you're here. My name's David, and I get to pastor this beautiful community of faith known as Embrace Church. And I just want to say thanks. Thanks for, for being here, and, and we're seeing uh, a shifting and a changing, and, and I'm feeling the season of life shifting, not my life per se, but the season of our church is shifting. And I think we're gearing up for some of the best months of uh, of this church's history, and so we're claiming that in Jesus' name. This morning, we're going to continue on uh, talking about the days of the week. Actually, I'm going to wrap it up today. Uh, those of you who haven't been joining us, we've been talking about days. We realize that um, we get days every, every day of the week, like every day is another day. And what we found is that the Greeks and the Romans, they gave their uh, gods these days. They dedicated these days to their gods. And what we realize is that we can dedicate our days to the one true God and, and will no longer be limited or hindered uh, by our inability to harness and to take advantage of what can take place. Because here's what I know to be true, is that uh, we can transform our lives when we interact with God in a different way. When we start to recognize the mundaneness of our life and how God meets us in those mundane moments, we start to realize there's transformative power every single day of our lives. And so I don't want us to live a single day without taking advantage of it. I don't want to go through a day and go, well, that day is wasted. I didn't, I didn't accomplish anything on that day. I want us to harness our time because we've got to make the most of it. And so if you're just visiting, we've been walking through for the last seven weeks the days. We started with Sunday as the day of rest, and, and Monday as the day we start new. We looked at Tuesday as the day we face the battle, and Wednesday is the day we create good in the world. Thursday we deepen our faith, and, and Friday we fight for love. If you missed any of those, you can find them all online, audio and, and video if you want to. But today we're going to talk about Saturday. We're going to look at Saturday. What are your feelings of Saturday? Good, bad? Good. Yeah, Saturdays are generally pretty good unless you, you know, work a weird schedule. Saturdays are great, so I want to mess it up. I want to mess with every Saturday that you spend for the rest of your life. I don't want you to spend another Saturday the same way, and I want you to write it out or see it somewhere and think the same thing. I want to mess it up today. What we realize is that Saturday was once known as Saturn Day. Saturn Day, we dropped a letter just like we did for Monday. Saturn Day is named after the Roman god Saturn. I don't know what you know about this guy, but uh, he's the god of time. And he's the god of the passage and the movement of time. And his visual representation is really cool. He's like this old guy, and he has a big, huge, he's a massive, muscular guy, and he has wings. And he has wings because time flies. Time is fleeting. And so we have this god named Saturn, and the day have been named after and dedicated to Saturn. But we also have this fascinating thing in the solar system called a planet Saturn, right? And Saturn is a fascinating planet because it's actually moving considerably slower than all the other planets in between us and Earth, or Saturn and Earth. Saturn, uh, one year on Saturn is actually 10,750 days here on Earth. So a year on Saturn would be like 30 years on Earth. So if you're 30 years old, you're just one. You're one on Saturn. Uh, if it's 60 days, if you're 60 years old, you're just two. Uh, I don't think anybody's 90 yet, but when you get there, we're going to celebrate your three-year-old birthday. You're just three because Saturn moves so slow. It moves one-thirtieth the speed of Earth. So can you imagine being on Saturn 
And it'd be weird. We'd be like, wow, we're on Saturn. Being on Saturn and watching all the other planets just fly around you. Just watching Earth just spin at 30 times the speed that you're moving. You would look at Earth and go, what are you guys doing? But we don't really see this necessarily. But we see it practically. We don't see it in the solar system per se, unless you've got, you know, unless you're doing that. But we see it practically. We see it happen right here. We see it happening in America. We're a fast-paced, always-moving nation. Uh, We see it right here in Evansville. Everybody blowing through red lights. You know, I like to throw that in. Uh, I was at the Fall Festival accidentally Friday uh, past 8.30, which is near my bedtime. Uh, and, and it was, you know, crowded. Every, you were all there. All of you were. You had to be. The whole city was there. Uh, people running, moving, you know, just chaos. Because what we do as a society, as we move, we've made a God of busyness. We're hurried. We're always going. We're always hustling. We're always on schedule. And what's so fascinating is that we realize time stands still for no man. So what we do is we live with this reality that uh, we don't really have enough time, and so we're going to make the most of it, and so we're just busy going and doing and scheduling and planning and always having something going on. But we have this extraordinary relationship with time, you and I, where the people without money are trying to use their time to get more money, which is work, and the people who have money are trying to hire other people so that they can get more of their time back because we're constantly bartering and trading our time for money, Uh, we're hiring people so we don't have to do things and we're doing things so we can get more money and there's a constant shifting and trading because time is essentially our greatest enemy. And what we realize is that it actively takes from us. And if we're not careful, time will give us nothing back. If we're idle and we waste our time, we'll realize that time took from us and it didn't give us anything back. But if we'll be people who harness our days, who count our days and make our days count, time will not just take from us, but it'll actually give us something beautiful in return. Memories, opportunities, scenarios, situations, stories. If we're careful and we count our days, we'll get something back from our time. And that's what I want Saturday to be. I want Saturday to be that we count our days, we number our days, and we make our days count. Saturday's the day where we stop in our week, and we reflect back on our week to see how have we spent our time? Have we invested in the things that mean the most? Have we invested in our uh, friendships? Have we deepened our faith? Have we uh, looked into our relationship with Christ? Are we moving forward in our faith, or are we moving backwards? What are we doing with our days? Because we have a world that worships people who go faster And time is the one resource we'll never get back. Once it's gone, it's gone. We can't keep celebrating people who never stop. We have to be people who are willing to pause. And the way we relate to time now is that we demand more of it than it's able to give us. And if we're going to be people who fight against culture, who push back against society, we're going to have to resist the urge to do more. And we're going to have to lean into being more. That we have a, to segment a portion of our time to, to work on things that we value the most. But more importantly, you and I, we're going to have to come to a place where we stop wasting our time. Because here's what I know about you and me, is that everything that God did was to ensure that we are free. And everything that Jesus did while here on earth was to remind us and to ensure our freedom, that we are free in Christ. But what we do is we trade our freedom And we tether ourselves to things that take from us and don't give us anything in return. And what I believe God is going to remind us to do today is to use our freedom to make sure that we use 
every opportunity possible to point people to Christ and not waste a precious commodity that we have, but to act as if we are fleeting, we are a mist, we are just a hand breath away from death. And I feel like the older people get, the more they begin to care about time. The older I get, the more I'm aware. It, it feels like when you're a kid that, uh, man, a day is so long. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's a forever, you know, it took forever to get through today, especially if you're in school. Uh, and then the older you get, they're like, we say things like, where did the time go? What happened to my day? And we look back and we look up, maybe it's in the mirror or at our friends, and we go, wow, where did, where did time go? How did, how did things get to where they are? Where did these wrinkles come from? How did my beard turn so gray so fast? Things shift and they change, and if we're not careful, time will get away from us. But thousands of years ago, time was understood very differently. Thousands of years ago, there was, a, in Greek mythology, uh, a man named Kronos. Kronos is where we get the word chronology. It's where we get uh, different various clocks and watches. It's how we tell time. And, and Kronos was the, the mythological or the Greek god that would come and bring time. And Kronos was really good at what he did. Every day he would bring time. And he was known for quantity of time. He was counting the seconds. And he would come to you every single day as soon as the sun would rise and he'd bring that day to you. And it was said that he would bring the next day and the next day and the next day that Kronos was counting your days. But there was a guy named Kairos as well. And Kairos was this young and, and beautiful thing that we wanted in our lives. He would arrive to you in unexpected moments. He was young and he never aged and he was said to have lived in the land of never, which is where we get the story of Peter Pan. And Kairos would actually bring you moments where Kronos was counting your seconds and your minutes and your hours and your days, Kairos was coming to you in moments. And Kairos was translated into supreme moments where Kronos was predictable. Kairos would surprise you. And if you've ever been doing nothing and all of a sudden something arises and you're like, that was a beautiful moment. That was a Kairos moment. But see, a lot of us don't live with Kairos. We live more with Kronos. That in our society, we only understand time in chronos. We understand time as seconds, as minutes, as hours, as if I've got to do this and then I've got to do this. It's time to wake up. It's time to eat lunch. It's time to take a nap. It's time to go to bed. And we plan and we schedule and we live by a calendar of, a, of events. And we, uh, we, we know that we have to be somewhere when we're supposed to be there. And our lives are largely dictated by our schedules. The Kairos would understand time and seasons. And if you and I were to go uh, ask a Greek or a Hebrew thousands of years ago, we would say, hey, what time is it in New York? They'd say New York. They'd say uh, New York is it's fall. If we were to go and say, hey, what, is, uh, what, is it, what time is it in, in Afghanistan? They'd say it's wartime. It's unrest. Because the Greeks and the Hebrews thousands of years ago understood time and moments and in seasons. How are things shifting? How are things changing? What is going on, both in their lives and in the world around them? They only saw things in moments and seasons. And then we find this passage in Ecclesiastes 3 that's introduced into a time where people saw moments and they saw time as seasons. And it says there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. 
A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. In the Greek translation of the Bible, each word time is used, uh, the word chronos. No, I'm sorry, kairos, not chronos. We would normally sub in the word time for chronos. We go, a time, okay, well, it's uh, 11, you know, 20. Okay, so that's our time. But what they're talking about in context is, is kairos. They're saying there's a moment for everything under heaven. There's a moment to gather There's a moment to give birth. There's a moment to heal. There's a moment to build. There's a moment to gather stones. There's a moment to embrace. It's speaking in moments. And what I've found to be true is that if you want to reclaim your time, if you want to get your life back, if you want to uh, uh, take the very precious commodity that God has given you back, if you want to live your life uh, in in moments, then we've got to understand how uh, Kairos comes to us. And how Kronos takes from us. And if we pause and we say, I'm going to resolve to live my life. And I'm going to see time as a young and beautiful thing. I'm going to get my life back. Then what we've got to do is we've got to understand how life continues to take from us. But there are two very practical things that I believe we have to do in order to get time back. The first thing is we have to turn when into now. We have to turn when into now. That we have this habit of saying, when this happens, I'll do that. Uh, when I have time, I'll serve the Lord. When I have extra money, I'll give. When I uh, am able to, I'll, I'll, I'll tell people about Christ. When this happens, I'll do this. When I retire, I'll have this. When this happens, then I'll do that. And so we read things like the gospel where it's telling us to go out into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus. When we read things like love our neighbor, we read things like take care of the poor, we read things like uh, love those who are unlovable, or uh, go after those who are are foreigners, we say, well, I will when I have time. I will when I have the ability. I will when this happens in my life. And we live with this mindset that something has to transpire before we'll do what God has already called us to do. But here's what I know that's true about you and me, is that when turns to never if we're not careful. Because Kronos loves to plan He schedules everything. And the issue with over-planning is that we end up waiting. And I'm an over-planner. I'm an over-planner to the point where I end up waiting. And what happens when you over-plan and you wait is you end up never doing what God has called you to do. And the underlying issue for most of us is fear. Fear is, by and large, the culprit because we will put off what we know God has called us to do because we're afraid to do it. We're afraid to step into what God has called us to do and to step out in the way that God's called us to step out. And so we put it aside and we use spiritual things like, well, I'm just waiting for the Lord. I'm just waiting for God to give me a peace. We're always waiting for God to say yes. We're never waiting for God to say no. We're never moving further and going, I'm going to go ahead and do what the scriptures have already called me to do. And fear holds us back. It keeps us in our own lane, but do you know what the enemy of fear is? The enemy of fear is now. The enemy of fear is now. That when there's moments, kairos moments that transpire in your life, events or activities that shift or change, and you see a need, the time to meet that need is now. You may run into someone and, and, and you have a conversation and you leave that conversation thinking, I wish I had told them about God's love. I wish I had showed more compassion. I wish I had showed more peace. The reason so many of us don't step into that is because we're moving so fast 
And we're speaking and moving and doing so many things that are self-centered and focused on our own agendas that we're missing out on what God really has for us, which is to reach the lost, to love the unlovable. The enemy of fear is now, we know that there are things that God has called us to do and people he has called us to. But so many of us are afraid to step out and so we overschedule, we overplan, we keep pushing out, we keep pushing back, we keep pushing out. And the reality is that we've got to turn went into now and the way that we get our time back is we recognize that we don't have a lot of it. We start making the most of every single moment. We stop sleeping through our lives, waiting for the next moment to come and we harness our days. We often have these kairos moments, these not-to-be-ignored moments where time seems to suspend. Have you ever been in someone's presence, and maybe it was the Lord's presence, or maybe it was uh, spending time in nature or something, and time just seemed to suspend, where we almost have this out-of-body experience where we're like, wow, I can't believe it's only been 10 minutes, or, or whatever that is. There are moments when, when, when God can reach us and take us out of our over-planning and our over-scheduled life. He can interact with us in a way that we... We find it to be beautiful, but we work so hard to avoid those beautiful moments to stay on schedule. When in reality, those unplanned, unintentional moments that find us are often those moments that stand out the most in our lives. And we see this play out in the story of the Good Samaritan. If you remember the story of the Good Samaritan, there's a man who's been beat up, stripped. He's lying on the side of the road, and the religious uh, elite pass by. They've got to get to the temple. They've got to pray. They've got things to do. And so they pass by the guy. He's yelling for help, and they're like, I don't have time. And so they move on, and they go do their spiritual things. The next guy comes along. He's crying out, I need help. I've got spiritual stuff to do. He keeps on moving. Finally, the Good Samaritan stops. It's not that the Good Samaritan didn't have things to do, but it's that he chose to create, allow that moment that God had divinely appointed in his life to be a moment where he stepped out and helped someone else. And I often wonder in the story of the Good Samaritan, how often am I the religious elite where I have other things to do, but I'm ignoring what God has actually put right in front of me, where we get caught up in what we want because we want it, and we can want spiritual things for ourselves. There are things that we want to do spiritually that are more exciting than the things that God has called us to do sometimes, and so we can spiritualize it and say, well, I'm just too busy i got to get back to reading my Bible and praying. I can't actually serve the poor. I can't actually bandage a wound. I can't actually, you know, give of my time because it's precious. And so we ignore the needs of people right in front of us because we are driven by chronos. And God often moves in kairos moments. We must be people who embrace the disruptions in their lives. And sometimes it's disruptions that come in pain. Sometimes those disruptions come in suffering. Sometimes they come in, in beauty, but regardless of its form, we have to be people who choose to embrace the disruptions in our life and choose to see them as divine opportunities because God often meets us and moves through us in those moments of disruption. That I can't plan for God to use me, but I can create the space and the awareness of how and when God is moving, and I can be ready to say yes. I can cultivate in my own life an attitude of yes where I am open and aware of what God is doing in the moment, and I can choose to be a person who says, yes, God, I'll step into this moment. But see, so many of us, myself at the top of the list, are so driven, and we're always moving and going. We aren't people who say yes. We're people who say, when this happens, I'll say yes. And God wants us to put the pause button, to slow down just a little, and to choose to see how he's moving, and be ready to say Yes, because we're going to be held accountable for every bit of our time. 
One day we'll stand face to face with our Creator, and we'll have to give an account of our time here on earth. And I am anxiously awaiting for God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You made the most of your time. You took Saturday to be the day that you counted your days and made your days count. You didn't waste time. But I look back and I see how many opportunities were missed in my life because I was driven. I was focused on Kronos. And I believe there's grace. God has given much grace because much grace is needed. But at the same time, we've got to be people who harness our days. And in Psalm 90, David says this, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. There's this direct correlation with counting our days and being wise. There's a direct correlation that the psalmist is drawing because when you're wise, you make wise decisions, right? And when you're a fool, you waste time. And what's beautiful about this is that we can all look to people and things that are time wasters, right? I'm going to guess that in this room there's probably a handful of people who uh, enjoy playing video games. The rest of us are probably going to go, that's a big waste of time, right? But here's what's interesting. We often say that things that we don't want to do are a waste of time, but there are things that we do want to do that are not a waste of time for me. So for you to do that, that's a waste of time. For me to do something different... I'm actually using my time wisely. What's fascinating to me, and this is going to sting just a little, is that wasting time often comes in the form of staying on schedule and missing moments that God has placed in front of us. It's not always just doing things that are frivolous. In fact, sometimes playing video games might be rest for someone. Things that we think are a waste of time might actually be cathartic for others. But us, we're spiritual here. We're going to stay on schedule, and that may be very much wasting the time that God's placed in front of us, that when we're wise, we're aware of everything that's going on. We're aware of these moments. And when we see distractions arise, we seize them as opportunities not to be ignored. The second thing I want you to know is that we have to turn intentions into actions. I'm really good about having good intentions. You guys love intentions. Intentions are great. The problem is when intentions don't turn to actions, they become time wasters. They become opportunities missed. And so a lot of us, we have the intention to love our neighbor, the intention to share Christ, the intention to be faithful in our attendance or giving or whatever. But intentions, when not turned to actions, actually end up not producing results. And in order for us to get our lives back, we've got to turn intention into action. What's beautiful is that you and I can actually be the disruption in others' lives as well. We can actually be the disruption, that we can be those kairos moments that step into other people's lives and remind them that time is fleeting. We can help people realize that our lives are ending second by second and we have a responsibility and an opportunity to be on task and on mission. The part of gathering here right now is that you're part of something bigger than yourself. You're stepping into a mission that's greater than what one of us can accomplish or two of us can accomplish that God's purpose and his plan for our lives is bigger than what we can do alone. And so we gather together with the power of the Holy Spirit to move forward and to accomplish uh, the Lord's will. But we have to realize that our lives are ending. Regardless of how much we try to stay healthy and fit and young, our lifetime is inevitably taking from us. And we can be people who step into those uh, distractions and we can help. And we can bring life and we can bring healing or we can continue to move forward with our own agenda, but we have to be people who choose, and we do this in real time. And empathy plays a huge role. Uh, empathy is uh, probably the highest form of, of intelligence, where we empathize with others. That there's been times in my life where I've passed, and, and we, you know, as humans, we have this thing where we're like, hey, how are you? 
It's like a general statement. Nobody's really looking for a real clear, like, I don't want a story. I just want, like, I'm doing great so that we can move on, right? Hey, how are you? Great, me too. And we keep going because that's how we communicate. And so what happens so many times is we go, hey, how are you? And someone will go, I guess I could be better. There's an inflection. There's a, there's a tone. There's a shift. There's something in their voice that you know is not right. And there's something deep inside of you that says we should probably pause here and lean into that and, and flesh this out. But because we're so accustomed to moving, we go, great, I hope that works out. I'll see you later. Or we're spiritual. We go, I'll pray for you. Bye. And we move on. Then we're not intentional about stopping and going, I'm empathizing with you. See, I don't know how many of you are aware, but as a community right now, we're grieving. We, we lost Ruby, uh, who, who's been a part of this church for over 50 years. She passed away Thursday. And it's hard and this morning, it was really tough. That was a service she attended. She was in the choir, and, and, and there was a presence. I felt a heaviness. And the beautiful thing about coming into a room like this is you don't have to be happy. You don't have to be always joyful. You can come in with how you're feeling and know that we're going to empathize with you. This is a community of faith that is going to grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn. We're going to celebrate with those who celebrate and laugh with those who laugh. But we're not going to be people who check our emotions at the door. But we're people who empathize with one another. And we feel and we sense. And because we're people who are willing to count our days, we're going to slow down. We're going to be able to pay attention to what God is doing in moments that God is shifting in front of us. And it may be complete and total strangers that God places us in front of. And it's a simple conversation that turns into a divine opportunity. But we have to become empathetic because God is actually uh, often disrupting our lives as well. That we often experience disruptions that are more often than not divine. Things that transpire that shake us out of our comfort and they remind us of our need to trust in God. That God has a way of being that disruption for us. And in James 4, 13, there's this really depressing passage. It says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we're gonna travel to such and such city. We're gonna spend a year there and do business and make profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. You are like smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This passage is James speaking to those who arrogantly make plans for their safety and their security and their futures. But those plans that don't include God and their trust, it wasn't in God, but it was in their own efforts. It was in their own work and they assumed that they were in control of their futures and in their lives. And James is reminding us that we're not in control We can manipulate, we can manufacture, we can try to guide, but we're not ultimately in control. And the overarching theme of of James and really the overarching theme of, of today is pride. This hubris that we believe we're in control and that we can actually live forever and 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 what the reality that we have to come to face is that life is short, death is certain, but God is sovereign. And He's over everything. And if we'll trust God's sovereignty, then no moment will be wasted. No loss or tragedy or suffering will be wasted. That God will use all things to bring glory to him. And I'm often driven mad by like the sound of ticking. I've gotten into watches lately. This is my granddad's watch today. And I wore it specifically because it ticks extra loud. It's a Timex and it's really loud. And it lays beside my bed, beside my one other watch in my collection that I've just started. And I can hear it. And I can hear it wakes me up sometimes in the night and it reminds me that life is brief. Life is short. 
And when you're young, you feel like you're going to live forever. Isn't it funny? And then the older you get, you're like, yeah, I'm moral. I'm moral. I'm, there's a mortality to me. I'm going to, I'm going to pass at some point. And I think there's a shift that takes place sometimes when we reach a certain age where we start to go, well, my life is over, so what's the point? Not in living, but what's the point in doing anything? And I think that's just as much a tragedy as saying I'm going to live forever and I'm, I'm going to do what I want. That we at every stage of life have an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ with everyone around us so no one wastes time. So we have to turn when into now. We have to turn our intentions into actions. We have to make the most of our time. We have to live with integrity. We have to serve with intensity. We have to give with generosity. We have to share Christ with this urgency so that we don't let time keep passing by so I can choose to ignore God's moving. I can choose to ignore these disruptions that God has placed in front of me and not harness the time to make the most and to point people to Christ. Or I can stop and I can choose to live a life meant to serve others. Meant to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. But I've got to build a strong foundation of yes. So I want us to be people who reclaim time. Who live every moment on mission. Who don't check God's call in our lives at the door wherever we go. Grocery or school or wherever. But we live on mission. When we start using our time, what's beautiful is uh, Thursday I, was, I went to the hospital to visit Ruby and, and some family was there and we were sitting around her bedside. Uh, we didn't know this at the time, but it was probably like five or six hours before she passed. And we were sitting there and, and watching her take what we know now is some of her last breaths. And the family started telling stories. And I was listening, and, and I shared a few, too. I wore a tie this morning for Ruby. She always got mad when I wouldn't wear a tie. Uh, I was listening to these stories. And every single story were Kairos moments. They weren't planned. They weren't trips. They weren't vacations. They weren't mission trips. They weren't things that were organized and scheduled and planned ahead of time. They were disruptions, they would tell stories of random lunches that she would have with students that she taught 20, 30 years ago. And we're telling all these stories, and I'm sitting here because I, I know the message today, and I'm thinking, this woman, she lived in Kairos. The things that we remember about her are Kairos moments, those moments that couldn't be scheduled or planned. She made the most of her time. And I thought, what are people going to say about us? What are people going to say about me? Are we going to remember all the things that we scheduled and planned and how we stayed on task or are we going to remember those things, those disruptions that God placed in our life that we stepped into? We made an impact on others' lives. We shared and showed God's love. People remember how they feel when you're there more than they remember what you tell them. And so we have to be present. We can't keep moving and doing, uh, but we've got to be present. We've got to live with intensity and intentionality. And I believe when we take our last few breaths, we'll be able to look back we'll be able to see that we've lived our lives on mission because we're people who count our days because we know that our days count. If you would go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes across the room. This morning, we, I want us to petition God and invite him to show us areas of our life that maybe we've been wasting time, maybe we've been missing his prompting and his moving in our lives. Maybe we've been so caught up or so stuck on living lives for ourselves that we've lost sight of what we've been called to do. 
As followers of Christ, we've been called to live for others. So Father in heaven, my prayer this morning is that we would choose to live a life of servitude. We would choose to use our freedom to tether our lives to you and your mission. That we would love and serve so that at the end of our days, we can look back and know that we've made the most of our time. That at the end of our days, we know we're going to make heaven and we're going to take everybody we can with us. So God, may we be people who choose to number our days so that we may walk with wisdom. So Father, we thank you for the grace and the forgiveness for when we miss those opportunities. But God, don't remove those opportunities from us. We promise to be people who say yes. So we thank you that you continue to work through us, even when we say no. Your love and your mercy continues to be extended to us, and so we praise you for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. If you would go ahead and stand across the room this morning.